Hey, welcome everybody in to Season 5, Episode 2 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. On this fine Monday, or no, Tuesday actually. See, Tom has Tom has a poker standing poker game on Mondays. So he's kicking us to Tuesdays, and I'm going to be screwed up all year long. The podcast is going to come out a day later. I, I, we're going to lose all our listeners. Anyway, I'm JT, half the host team. Tom, how does it feel to be the cause of losing all our listeners? Yeah, well, <laughs> well, and and then my poker game is either Wednesday or Thursday, so we're Wednesday tomorrow night. So I'll be losing my money tomorrow night. But hey, as uh, long as everybody has a good time, and, and most of the time, a good time is had by all. Of so, course. well, how's it going, man? Oh, it's good. It's good. It's uh, you know, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, before we got started, work is all consuming right now, but um. I can see a little bit of the light at the end of the tunnel, and it, and it gets easier, in my opinion, when uh, when the season gets here. So, we'll uh, it'll move quicker through the week is what it normally does. You got something to look forward to on Saturday, and that season just flies by. So, I'm not going to complain too much till we get in there and and start the actual uh, game day experiences, so on and so forth. Yeah, no doubt, man. It's uh, it is. The quickest 13 weeks of the year is when football season starts. and But we're not there yet. And I noticed that you have named this episode Getting Close, and we are getting closer. So this is uh, this weekend is uh, – you know, I think some high schools have the week zero this weekend. And I know the Little League stuff starts up next weekend. And then, of course, the weekend after that is Labor Day, and we're, we're, we're kicking off. So I'm excited. And uh, I had you down for the commentary. We're going to talk about the little bit about the implosion of the Pac-12. I think the last time I didn't go back and listen to our first episode. I think we were uh, kind of prognosticating that the Pac-12 might be in trouble because of you know, of course, UCLA and USC is gone. And then since we recorded last at prestigious Philadelphia, Mississippi, it all hell's broken loose. But uh, <laughs> you had the commentary, and you have uh, fumbled the ball, if you will, because you're. Your computer is at work, and you had to get a new computer, a desktop, mind you. Who raise your hand, listening audience, if you have a desktop in your house? Yeah, I don't. I'm not seeing any hands raised. So I'll take over the commentary, Tom. Uh, quickly, I just I, I thought about this. I think you'll find it humorous. I found it pretty pretty hilarious myself. So you know, I told you we went on the cruise, and where you disembark the boat is like on a level level two or level three. But they keep it, you've been on a cruise before, you know, they keep that area pretty much barricaded off unless you're docked. And because when you go down the escalator, you're like, oh, I didn't even know this was here. And that's where you get off the boat. So we're disembarking on day two or three, whatever. And they have one of those signs up that some workplaces have, you know, it's been XXX days since an accident, you know, and, and normally you, you the, the days are, you know, 155 or 210 or whatever. And on the ship that we were on, it said it has been two days since the last accident. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought that was fun. I'm like, okay, at that point, if it's just two, what you do is you take the numbers down. That way when the patrons walk off the boat, they see the sign. There's no numbers up. They're like, oh, well, they, they just don't keep up with that anymore. You know, you got to get that thing built up to at least – well, I'd say 35, 40 before you put it up there. You can't do the walk of shame like two days since the last accident. Like, you know, well, I mean, I, what happened? 
I need to know what happened, you know. So anyway, and, and it was part of your uh, group, apparently, right? Yeah, it had to be because yeah. we were. This was uh, it was when I say day two or three is our second or third stop. So we were we were a solid four to five days into the cruise when when I saw the sign. But I, I wish I took a picture, and I but I I failed to do that. But I thought that was funny and meant to tell you last time. A good investigative journalist would have found out who had that accident. Yeah, that we had a we had a bus boy that had an eye patch on. Maybe it was him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Enough of the chicanery. We're gonna run. We're, we're already running short on time, Tom. Uh, let's talk about the implosion of the of the Pac-12. <clears throat> so as I said, USC UCLA uh, going to the big, and since the last time we recorded. Oregon and Washington, and I think that's the schools we talked about, the, the state schools, your Oregons, your Washingtons, your Arizonas, like what are they going to do as opposed to Washington State, uh, Oregon State, and Arizona State? And I think you'd see the same, in, and you saw it You saw it with Oklahoma. You know, they really threw some heavy shade at Oklahoma State. Uh, Bob Stoops did about how, you know, basically, I'll just put words in his mouth, you know, the ACC's getting the bell cow of the state of Oklahoma. And, which I agree, and and it'd be the same, you know, if you went to like with Alabama. I mean, if you if you choose, if you're in a new conference and you can only choose one, Alabama or Auburn, you're taking Alabama. Uh, you know, South Carolina would be different now because Clemson's had so much so much uh, success. But like, think of the state of Michigan, Michigan, Michigan State. You're taking Michigan, Ohio, the state of Ohio, Ohio State, or Cincinnati or whoever. You're taking Ohio State. So, you know, we saw Oregon and Washington. They're, they're looking at the big. I, I don't – you know, I hadn't kept up with it enough. I just remember when it dropped that I, I remembered us talking about it. Uh, Colorado had already announced to the Big 12. Now we're looking at Arizona State and Utah to the Big 12. Cal and Stanford are interested in the ACC. Yeah, I bet they are. You know, I'm, I'm also interested in a host of supermodels. I, you know, I've yet to hear back from any, so – you know, this is a interesting development for the Big 12 and how they move forward because with the new Big 12, who are your who are your premier teams in the Big 12 now? Uh, I mean, it's going to be your you got Oklahoma State left over, right? Yep. Um you got Baylor left over, Texas Tech, Texas Tech, TCU. I mean, Yep, TCU. I'm I'm trying to think. Is there anybody that they brought in that could compete immediately? I'm not sure that there is. Right. When you say um, compete, like to make a playoffs, I mean TCU made the playoffs last year, which we saw that was a farce. So no, I mean you if they even if they add Colorado, Arizona State, Utah, Utah. Sadly enough, Utah, well, who you, was a power, Utah. was a group of five. Um, as recent as as recent as what eight ten well I don't know when I'd have to look when they joined the Pac twelve I know this when Bama played them in two thousand after the two thousand eight season in the Sugar Bowl so that was what fifteen years ago sixteen years ago whatever um, they were a group of five teams so they've been they've been Power Five less than fifteen years and I that's who I would pick to win the the, the aforementioned teams. That you that we just talked about in the Big Twelve, I think I'm taking Utah over all of them. Possibly so. I, I guess the point that I was making is that you now have introduced a significant number of 
what I would consider middling teams that are traditionally middling in their conference, but somebody has to win that conference. And guess what? Somebody goes to the big six automatically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I'm curious how long it will take for those contracts to be renegotiated for who gets those auto bowl bids, or if they do. You know, they may they may be locked in as a conference for ever how many years and can't get out of it or whatnot. I mean, heck, the Pac-12 still has four teams in it right now, right? Yeah, four. <laughs> are, are they going to keep their bid? They got a 25% chance of getting to a New Year's Six Bowl. <laughs> careful, careful. Notre Dame would join that conference now. <laughs> so, yeah, I... I I'm curious to see how the bowl tie-ups and lock-ins go, and and particularly with the new talk about expanded playoffs, that that needs to be settled uh, sooner rather than later. Particularly if they're they were considering auto bids for conference winners, so yeah, uh, a lot to think about moving forward. Yeah, you know, it appeared it, it appeared that uh, when Texas and Oklahoma bolted for the SEC, it appeared the Big Twelve was dead. And the Pac-12 seemed stable. The ACC was going to be stable enough with Florida State and Clemson. ACC and the Big Ten are going nowhere. Uh, there, there's really virtually no scenario where those two conferences do not make it and thrive and, and add pretty much who they want to. Uh, but now the Big 12 looks to be decent in decent shape, and the Pac-12 is all but dead. Like you said, there's four teams left. Who are they going to take? And it's not, it's not getting to 12. They can get back to 12. There'll be some teams that will join them because, ooh, we're a Power 5 school. But, okay, so you take Memphis and you take uh, Tulane and you take SMU and you take Colorado State and you take Boise State. Does anybody really care, you know? Is it not surprising to you that Stanford didn't get picked up? Uh I, that's I, I don't know. I mean, maybe a little bit. They they have been they've been to they've been to Rose Bowls. Uh, you know, Andrew Luck took them to Rose Bowl, I think, and they've been good under David Shaw. And I think that was his first name. I know the last name was Shaw, Coach Shaw, and they of course they had Harbaugh, but. I don't know. Outside of that, they don't care, man. They're um, well. They're... I'm just I'm just thinking of it from the standpoint of of one. Obviously, they have super high academics, but two, they are super well rounded in sports. You know, they play a lot of sports that we don't even consider sports here at the university. <laughs> but but you know, when they're always talking about the the. What do they call that? The Ultimate Cup, uh, America's Cup. Or, yeah, I know what you're you talking know, about. They're always in the top ten because mm -hmm. of how many different sports they have, and they're good at them. Yeah. Um, so I was a little surprised. Uh, that obviously, you're not taking them because they're football prowess or their basketball prowess or their baseball prowess, <laughs> which is, I mean, and and you're right though. I mean, they've they've had some good teams in football. They've had some excellent teams in football. But uh, but they are few and far between, particularly in the last ten years or so. So uh, I just thought, with their academic standing and all the sports that they do compete in, uh, that they would have at least gotten a shot somewhere. But maybe not. They might have been too snooty for a shot. Very well, could be. I, I know if they uh, if they joined. 
if I ever got to see them play, I would go see them play just to watch their band at halftime. You know, their band has been kicked off the field on more than one occasion. If, if you ever get a chance and you're bored, look up Wikipedia, look up the Stanford band. They have uh, they played USC right after the O.J. Simpson deal, and they had a white Bronco on the field. <laughs> <laughs> and it might have had red handprints on it, man. It, it was it was pretty bad. It, <laughs> ever, ever since they pre- prematurely rushed the field in that cow game, it's been downhill ever since. <laughs> yeah, that's their most famous football play <laughs> involves the band. So let's let's uh, let's don't get too excited here. Well, this is the Bama podcast, so let's let's roll into the practice report. And I I know nothing more than what you know, Tom, and what all our listening audience knows. We'll just give our opinion on it. Uh, you know, just from reading, I know there's only had one scrimmage open to the public. I talked to Neutron today. Uh, he is going to the Red Elephant Club scrimmage this weekend, so he'll get to see more and see how truly screwed we are at quarterback. But, you know, right now, Milrow, Ty Simpson, and Buckner, and it sounded like Milrow had a pretty good scrimmage the other day. I think some, some word leaked out to some people and on the chit-chat boards. Everybody's just doom and gloom that we're, you know, we're going to be awful this year. I don't think we're going to be awful. I do think quarterback is much more pivotal than it was when Saban got here, you know, where John Parker Wilson and Greg McElroy were back-to-back starters. Jake Coker started one of two of those people I just mentioned won a national title. I don't think, I don't think Coker, um, I don't think Coker, JPW or McElroy can win a national title these days. You know what I say that Stetson Bennett won too. So who knows, but I think if all things are equal, it'll be Milrow to take the first snap. I do think the competition will, will go deep into the first game, maybe even to the Texas game. Man, if it goes into the Texas game, I hope somebody gets a hot hand because, you know, as you know, I have that as our, our loss, our, one of our three losses this year. And, and that's why, because if Bryce Young was back, there's no way I'd have us losing to Texas. So let's, let's be clear on that. I'm not trying to reverse jinx Bama. I'm not trying to uh, to doom and gloom. I just tr- I do try to keep it real on this podcast. And like I said, quarterback is just so important nowadays. Um, I, well, yeah, I mean, you talk about the doom and gloom and whatever. And what this is the guy that I, if you remember, this is the guy that I want to win the job. Uh, you know, if if this guy wins the job. Let's just think about what we're saying, okay? Because we've all been here around Alabama football for the last, well, me, me and you, way longer than the last 15 years. But, but since Saban has been here and been around his teams, we know that Saban is going to find the guy that can play the best football. He's, you know, he's not averse to starting a freshman. He's not averse to starting an unpopular pick and the 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 point that I like to make here is that uh, Ty Simpson is a previous five-star recruit right mm-hmm. Ty, Ty Buckner Tyler Buckner whatever his first name is uh, Trent yeah, transfer from Notre Dame where the offensive coordinator is. So he's got an inside look at this guy and, and was a previous starter there. And then you got two incoming five-star freshmen. All right. So you'd have to be 
you'd have to swing and miss five times on elite players. Buckner being the questionable one, but I mean, heck, he was starting for a I wanted to say a Power Five team, but that's not actually the case. He was starting for a for an independent team <laughs> last year. <laughs> Uh, but but the other four guys in there are all elite players out of high school. Of course, they ne- all of them never pan out. Of course not. But you got four four shots at it, and rarely do we go over four. Usually, we have talented players in the background. So, assuming that these guys all have exceptional talent, which I have no reason to believe they do not then whoever wins the job is going to be a bang-up quarterback. I just, I honestly believe that. And if Milrow, which, again, is my preferred quarterback, if he wins the job over the other elite players, obviously that makes him more elite than they are, and we know what his athleticism can do. I just, I'm a fan. Um, Again, He's got a ways to go. I'm not saying that everything I saw from him last year is is what I want to see this year. That's not, not what I'm saying at all. But they will have these quarterbacks in a position where they're running the offense that they want to run, and if they can't run that offense, they won't be out there running it. And so with that being said, I'm, I'm a little excited about the position. I really am. If, uh, if you can get this guy – getting the ball up the field, uh, throwing it in any manner whatsoever, you've got a weapon, an absolute weapon. Oh, he's he's definitely a game changer if he can overcome the interceptions. You know, and that's what we're judging him on. Let's be honest. We're judging him on two games last year, the Arkansas game where he came in for an injured Bryce Young, and then he started A&M, and we held on by the skin of our teeth because he turned the ball over. Did he – Fumble, get hit and fumble twice and one interception. It was like three turnovers. I'd have to look at the game stats to see picks versus fumbles. Anyway, he was he was loose with the ball, and that is the concern. But then you rewind the, to the previous week at Arkansas where we're kind of under the gun. I don't think we had lost the lead, but it, we don't need to punt. And it's third and long, and he takes off and gets – I think he scores or maybe gets pushed out at the one. I mean, he we end up scoring if he didn't get in right then, but like an 85-yard run. Just unreal athleticism, like you said. And it, it is exciting. I mean, it's also exciting to have Tua or or uh, Bryce, where you know <laughs> we get a Heisman Trophy candidate uh, taking the first snap of the year. But, you know, as and I'm glad you, you're more of a, a glass-half-full guy on this. Like, you, you've stated your claim that you want Milrow, and that's good. I have no problem. And you're like me. Bama fans don't confuse. Oh, well, if, if Milrow don't start, Tom's gonna quit the podcast. No, I mean, we just it's who, he pref- <laughs> it's who he prefers, you know, and uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I know Tom is like me. I, I want the guy that's gonna win, and we, we hope it's Milrow because of what he brings to the table uh, with his running ability. Because we've seen it with Caleb Williams at USC, uh, Kyler Murray at Oklahoma, uh, Tim Tebow at. Florida, Cam Newton at Auburn. When you add that running a bit, the running factor to the quarterback position, man, the the sky's the limit. I mean, I, I just, just stop there. Stop yeah. there. Cam Newton, Tim Tebow. Uh, who else did you say? Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, and then Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. All right, those four. 
All right. Four. <laughs> the, from, from those four, rank them in order of their passing ability. Not not what they end up in their passing stats, but their passing ability as far as you know, being able to to thread the the ball across the middle in mm-hmm. coverage, tight spaces, you know, put the ball on target, deep balls, whatever. Rank those in order, one through four. Well, if let's, I guess we're talking college only. Yeah, college uh, only. Yeah, college let me only. let let. I think it's going to be easier for me to go four to one. I'm going to put Kyler Murray at four, Tim Tebow at three, and then I think I think Caleb Williams at two and Cam at one. I mean, Cam had an NFL arm a, at Auburn. And, uh, and not that Caleb Williams does not, but, I mean, I, I see what the point you're making, and I just realized, too, I thought you were taking another angle. I just mentioned four Heisman Trophy winners. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, I, didn't, I, I didn't make that connection either. That is not actually the angle that I was going, and I was going to rank them in a, in a significantly different order than you, and I thought you might as well. Cam Newton, I think, might be the best college quarterback I've ever seen on the field. Between him and Tim Tebow, in my opinion, as far as career at college and, and what they accomplished on on the field. And I mm-hmm. say career, Cam really had one year, but it was it, he was everything. Yeah. But the point that I was making that, yeah, he had a rocket arm, he had a big arm, obviously got him into the NFL, but I did not consider Cam to be a an absolute uh, dart thrower in the parket, pocket. Uh you know, maybe that's me and and not remembering it co- as correctly as I did. I would I would say that um, in, in my rankings I would put Kyler Murray at one. Ooh, He's I had two. him at four. I I, lo- I love the differing opinions, Tom. Well, I, I like him at one. I thought Tebow threw the ball well. Um, it, it was two, and then I would have had Caleb Williams at three, and then Cam Newton at four. Just simply on throwing ability. But one of the things that made Cam Williams so um, hard to defend against and what made him so good, what got him the, the Heisman, the national championship, all whatever, the the, the thing that, that made him what he was was his threat to run. Yeah. You know, when he got ready to throw the ball, everybody thought he was running the ball, and those receivers were running wide open. Like, nobody was around him. Mm-hmm. Because you had to have the safety help to contain him, or you had to have the cornerback making a quick decision on whether or not he could help with the run defense, or else you were going to give up chunk yardage to him on the ground. There was nothing you could do about it. So when he did get ready to throw the ball, the guys were wide open. I mean, yeah. literally nobody around him, and so I, I didn't I didn't put him one again. And I made made that point. It was not because of the stats. He probably had I don't have the stats in front of me. He probably had unbelievable passing stats as well. But a lot of that was because the the scheme was was you just had to do everything you could to protect the run, and then yeah. people run wide open. That's what Milrow can bring to the table. He is that dynamic of a runner. And so you may not need him to put it in tight spaces uh, as much with the threat of him running versus, you know, natural play action passing. They're going to, you obviously know they're going to do, if he's the starter, and, and, and okay, so let, 
now I'm rambling, but let's let's think about this. If Milrow is winning the position, if he's winning the position, that offensive scheme looks much different than if Ty Simpson is winning that position. Do you not agree? Yeah, I think so. I think Ty is mobile, but, you know, he's not going to be Milrow from a, a, a running standpoint, no. Yeah, and, and so I, th- I think the offensive just play calling becomes significantly different depending on who's under center. And with that said, if, if both guys if both guys run the same offense, then this is a much easier conversation to have. You just you practice the same offense all August and whoever's the best quarterback is, you, you plug them into your offense. In this situation, if Milro is the leader, you need to take your offense a little different direction to be prepping for the season. Or vice versa would would Simpson? I think Simpson and Buckner are more inter- interchangeable. Mm-hmm. But uh, it 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 makes, in my opinion, it makes the staff need it, it. It makes them need to make an earlier decision than they might like to. Yeah, no, no I see your point because hypothetically, Milro gets the first two series. And then Ty comes in or Buckner comes in, and all of a sudden we've got to change personnel. We've got to change base play calling. So, yeah, you make a good point. Yeah. And it's more of a playbook for, for linemen, run blocking versus pass blocking versus rollout blocking, zone block. I, you know, the different schemes call for different, uh, you know, blocking techniques or motions, or you know, everybody's doing something different, and it puts a lot more on them. You know, it's a lot, lot more prone to mistakes. The more you have to remember, the more you have to to ingrain in yourself, and and then have to switch gears if something changes. So, uh, I, I I feel like maybe they they'll they'll make a decision. I hope next week, and give them two full weeks. Yeah, I don't know that they. I don't know. I don't know when he'll name a starter. You know, is he gonna is he gonna be close to the vest like he was with Jalen and Tua uh, going into twenty eighteen? You know, we'll see. He definitely wants everybody to hang around and not hit the portal. You know, when as soon as he announces one, and that's that is the hand we've been dealt with the portal and and NIL. But basically, the portal is if we name a starter now, you know the. The backup can go. And speaking of, let me – we'll get to running backs, wide receiver, and defense. But <laughs> let me ask you this, because I have been a huge detractor of the gentleman I'm about, I'm about to mention. Did you see who is named the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts this year? I did not. AR-15. <laughs> already? Richardson from Florida. They and already so named they him? They named him, yes. Okay, I thought the guy should have come back to college. I didn't see any way he should have been. They were talking about him being the first overall pick at one point. And, you know, but as we know, sometimes college does not transfer to pro, and sometimes pro does not transfer to college. Like Herschel Walker is the best running back in college I've ever seen, and he just never really got it done in pro, where Emmett Smith did get it done in pro. Barry Sanders did get it done in pro. Trent Richardson did not get it done in pro, you know. And I, I just I'm, – I'm floored. And so we asked – I asked Eli this question. He's the one that showed it to me. I'm like, let's be honest. If AR-15 was on Bama's roster this year, would he be the clear-cut starter right now? 
No. I don't think so either. <laughs> I, mean, I really don't. I'm not trying to be – I am an AR-15 hater, but I, I, I'm dead serious. I don't think he would be the clear-cut starter. I think he would be the favorite to start based on he would be entering his fourth year or whatever. I'm not but so I, sure that Florida fans weren't glad he left for the <laughs> Very well might have been. I don't know. We need, we need Topher to chime in on this. We do. Yeah. All right, so let's get to running back. I wrote down running backs, wide receiver, then just defense overall. Running backs, I haven't read a lot, and, and I, I'm not being a good Bama podcaster because I'm like you. I've got, you know, Tori, I moved here into college uh, this weekend, and she's in the middle of hashtag Bama Rush. That is a big thing, dude. I'll try to talk about Bama Rush toward the end. But, um, you know, I, I really wish I had heard more from Justice Haynes. I've not read – like I said, maybe – the information's out there, and I've just failed to read it because I'm not. I don't. We don't take a newspaper anymore. Does anybody take a newspaper anymore? So what I get, I get on the chit chat boards, and work has been kind of hectic lately, so I hadn't got to read a lot. But I really was hoping Haynes would be, you know, listed maybe number two running back. Not that, not that Roy Dale can't get it done, or definitely Jace McClellan. But uh, I, I really hope that our running backs are the strength of our team, and and I think they will be. They, they will be, and, and I even heard a little seepage coming out of camp so far. Uh, part of it was uh, because he got a little banged up. I don't think it was anything serious, but Jam Miller, uh, somebody that we hadn't mentioned previously as, as being a rotational player, Saban seems to be high on him. Um, says he's been having an, uh, an unbelievable August. So who knows if this guy's not, <laughs> I, you know, I, he wasn't even on my radar at all. Yeah. Um, and uh, they, they're saying that he's getting, he's getting reps in that rotation right now. So, uh, and that's assuming whatever that minor injury, I don't even recall what that was. Uh, it's just going to put him out for a couple, two or three days, you know, how they mm-hmm. get banged up a little bit. But, uh, so somebody to keep an eye on, and, and I hadn't I hadn't heard a lot, and you're not going to, uh, with the quarterback race going on. It's everything else is going to be secondary to that, but but I I still think we have one of the better running back rooms in the country. Yeah, I I agree. I don't know who who would be better. You know, B. John Robinson left Texas. Um, I, I'm sure. I'm sure LSU is going to be stacked. I'm sure Clemson's going to be salty. But I would. Would I trade with anybody in the country right now? I don't know that I would. Well, you, you know, it's funny you said that, and I'm I'm trying to get over here to my magazine that you made fun of me uh, about last time. No, you deserved it. But uh, I was actually thinking about the exact same thing that you said. And Phil Steele, who, who, who again, is a stat-producing machine, uh, he always puts out top individual units in the country, you know, for every, every position group, quarterback, receivers, running backs, DBs, right on down the line. He has us as the 15th best room in the country. Oh, my. Yeah. Apparently, 15th. Phil's trading with some people. As a matter of fact, he's got... One, two, three, three SEC teams ahead of us in that top 15. LSU, Georgia, Texas A&M. You only got Georgia. 
Really? Arkansas comes in at number four. Dang. Georgia six. Ole Miss number seven. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Quinshawn Judkins, yeah. 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 So, uh, interesting. And, and, and outside of that, most of the other teams are, yeah, big-time blue blood teams. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State's your top three. Mm-hmm. They, they wow. big on He's big on the Big Ten running. <laughs> that's three. Wisconsin is five. And, uh, well, that's – they got four out of the top five. Yeah, that's that's so, impressive. So, anyway, you may want to rethink your comment about what room you might trade with. <laughs> but I'm – but – I'm I'm with you. It'd be a hard it'd be a hard choice to make. I mean, we have a lot of not a lot of that ranking. I think is because of returning production. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you know, the, I don't know that anybody's as deep as us, and I don't think that anybody may have the ceiling that we have. Um, yeah, I mean, because if you ta- just take one player, if Najee Harris was going to be a senior this year, we vault up to top five. Right. You know. So, yeah. All right, let's talk about wide receivers and we'll flip over to defense. The biggest thing, the wide receiver news that I got is that we had a lot of drops. And that that is very concerning because we we went from Julio to Amari Cooper to Calvin Ridley to the right outs. And then, like I've said, you know, beat a dead horse, Ty Jones-Bell, and um, name escapes me right now. You know, we just have that – after the Mechie class, we had the dead class that they just have not produced. And we've got Ja'Cory Brooks. We've got names that I am drawing an absolute blank on right now. Like I said, I've not been a good Bama podcaster. But I, I do remember one name I want to talk about at tight end, that C.J. Niblack. Is that Niblack? Yeah, Niblack? Not, yeah. He is getting rave reviews in practice. And, he, you know, can he be our poor man's Brock Bowers? Because, man, Bowers at Georgia is unreal. Like, he is one – I mean, that's one kid. If you put him on Bama's team last year or the year before, I don't know that we don't win the national title both years with Bryce Young at quarterback. That's how good that kid is. And if Nick Black can just do 55, 65, 70% of what Brock brings to Georgia, we can be very dangerous in the when our when our uh, wide receivers come into form. Yep. No, I agree with that. And, and he's – and and I've heard the same scuttlebutt that you have that he's been having a good August so far, and uh, that that is very nice to see. And another guy that that we're going to depend on, and it's the reason he transferred in, Jermaine Burton. You know, he was the previous year to Jermaine Burton, we had Jameson Williams come in, and he was just he was everything. It was you know, I mean, it was unstoppable. And everybody expected Jermaine Burton to have that kind of impact last year, and, and it didn't happen. Uh, but he's got a year under his belt, and now he he got better as the year went on. He got a lot more reliable. Uh, so I'm I think they're depending on him as probably wide receiver number one is my guess. And and, and it's yeah, time for him to step up. I mean, he's it is fifth year guy, I think. Uh, yep, I mean, and and Brooks is going to be right there with him, but my guess is is that they're going to be relying on Burton a whole bunch. But you got Burton, you got Jacory Brooks, you've got Kobe Prentice. Those guys all have, uh, those guys all have experience, game time, real experience from last year. 
They're they're not going to be shook by the game. They're going to be very, very good and experienced players that the quarterback can rely on because they're going to, they've been in this. They've been in this situation. They have an entire year under their belts. And that's going to be a big help to the quarterback. I mean, if you've got a new quarterback coming in with a, with freshmen, wide receivers too, and that sort of thing, it makes it it makes that job a lot more difficult. But with Nye Black too, and 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 these returning receivers, plus obviously we've got some of those uh, freshmen that we've got high hopes for that may come in and make a make some noise. I don't know who that may be yet. I hadn't heard a, a whole lot of. Uh, info come out on you know any of the freshman receivers, but again, I think that's more of a product of the quarterbacks than it is receivers. So we'll see, but I, I think that's a solid group too. Yeah, Malik Benson is was the one I couldn't think of. He was a community college guy, you know, so he's going to be a third year player, six one one ninety five out of uh, I don't know where he's from. He played. That's right. uh, he was a, the number one. Yeah, uh, JUCO player, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. I don't know where I don't know what uh, state he's from, high school wise, but he played at at uh, Kansas, you know, Hutchinson Community College. So that you know, we need him to step up due to being of age, and we need Jermaine Burton, Jacoy Brooks. If those three can really set the tone for our wide receiver group, I, I think we'll be okay. So lastly, yep. defense. Uh, not a whole lot. I, I think we're going to be as strong in the defensive backfield as we've been in a long time, maybe since the uh, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick days and, and Eddie Jackson days. And, man, if we could get that kind of production. Kool-Aid McKinstry, it's your time to shine. I think you will. Uh, you know, if you shut down half the field like you're like a, a number one, you know, first-round corner should be able to do, it's, it's going to make the front guys' jobs a lot easier, front seven. You know, defensive line, Jaheim Otis, I think he will come into his own. He was really good last year, has another year under his belt. And then I'm just really excited about Dallas Turner and the uh, the other linebacker in the Cheetah package. I am drawing major blanks on names tonight. You're going to have to help me out with that one. Braswell, Chris Braswell. Um, yeah, I, I think our linebacker spots are going to be okay. Defensively, I, I'm glad we got Kevin Steele. I was, I was fed up with Pete Golding, as most people were. You know, Kevin still didn't have a great stint, as we've talked about, the first go-around at Bama, but he brings in he's, – he's older gentleman, and he's going to bring that – hopefully that hard-nosed mentality. And I did see where we get penalties in practice, we're doing push-ups. Just, and, and, you know, wow, big deal, 10 push-ups. Well, you, you know, eventually as a player, you get tired of hitting the dirt and doing 10 push-ups. So it just – it's something little – to make you focus a little bit more, hopefully in practice, and that will uh, transfer to the game. Yeah, agreed. And and the the DBs, of course, are the strength of this defense. Which in this day and time, you need that. You absolutely need that because everybody, uh, with the exception of Georgia last year, I, I, they did to an extent, but most everybody is is winning games with high explosive passing offenses. And if you're going to sit here and, and, and say that that's what everybody wants to do, then defensively you want to have the best de- defensive backfield you can get. And I think we have that. I think we have the best defensive backfield in the country. And not only that, I have heard definitely two names come out of the, uh, uh, you know, the, the practice reports that are coming up. And, and – and I'm talking about two two names that we hadn't really 
I guess we weren't depending on Caleb Downs is one of them, the freshman. Oh yeah. And he, they're just, I mean, to hear them talk, he's already a lockdown guy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as a freshman, and uh, and and then you've got Trey Amos that for whatever reason apparently is just turning a bunch of heads uh, in camp this year. If if those two guys are really turning it on as we're hearing it, and you've already got Kool-Aid, and you've already got Terry and Arnold, and you already got, who who's the other guy? Uh, is it, uh, Malachi Moore. You know, mm-hmm. those, these guys with all the experience that were already jam up and and our own preseason All-American watch list and that sort of thing, and then you add in two other apparently high, high caliber players, that's going to be a tough group, very tough. Um, and so we do need good linebacker play, and and I, I, I'm with you. I think we have a lot of talent. But we got a lot of experience there too, but a lot of talent. If those linebackers can – can at least contain that run so that those DBs can concentrate on being DBs. We will be we'll be salty back there this year. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch our defense play this year much more so than well last year I was I was uh, interested in seeing um, Will Anderson play. You know that was the like I said we had unrealistic ex- expectations for him. This year, expectations are more tempered. I think Dallas Turner can have a really good year, but I'm ready to see us fly to the ball. The way, let's be honest, the way Auburn did when Kevin Steele was with them. I mean, they played hard-nosed defense, and I missed that. Yep. No, they, they absolutely did. So, uh, it would be great if he can get the, the mentality of that crew uh, in that mindset. That, that would be awesome. All right, so we've got around 15 minutes left, and what we're going to do is we're going to rank Bama's games. Uh, we we have and we've got we've got another heck. I guess I guess next week we've got kind of a we'll podcast next week, but it won't be a game week. But the week after that will be in game week. So what we'll need to do next week is definitely put out our our top four teams that we think can make the playoffs. And uh, God, I'm not going to be able to pick Bama. Am I at nine and three? I don't know. I might have, have to find a way. You're going to have a tough time of it for sure. <laughs> All right. So we're going to rank the teams on Bama's schedule from least difficult to most difficult. So we're going to go 12 to 1 because I, I think we'll definitely differ on our top three, top five, whatever. We should be somewhat the same on our bottom, you know, three or four. So at number 12, uh, I've got Chattanooga. Is that who? Do you have them or Middle Tennessee? I have the moccasins. The mocks from Chattanooga, so you're with me. All right, at 11, I have Middle Tennessee. The Blue Raiders. All right. At 10, I have not a non-conference team. I have Mississippi State at 10. Uh, not me. I, I went ahead and went with the, the Bulls of South Florida. Okay, I had them at 9. So, uh, I just, you know, I'm not sold on Mississippi State at all. I think Leach passing away is really going to hurt them. I, I, we have a salesman that he always talks Mississippi State up. And, and, you know, they do have a lot of returning players. But, I just you know, it's like a rudderless ship, pun intended, with uh, with Leach being gone. So, I've got them at uh, – I've got South Florida at nine. Who do you have at nine? I have Arkansas homecoming. Yeah, wow, that's our homecoming. Yeah, the number they're the the, the top are backs. If you were curious, the top 
rushing running back room in the conference, and you've got them at nine. Shocking! Isn't it? That's how good our defense will be. <laughs> I hope you're right, man. Uh, at number eight, I have Ole Miss. I have Mississippi State, the Bulldogs. Okay, um, so just a couple of spots off there for that yeah, for us. I, I almost had State at nine, but uh, I give uh, State the nod over Arkansas because State is on the road. Yeah, that that is, and that's game five, I believe. So. It'll be right after. So we have Texas, and then we have South Florida, and then we have uh, Ole Miss at home. So it'll be a tough little stretch there. Uh, number seven, who I'll let you get some in first. Who do you have at seven? I do have the Ole Miss Rebels. Okay. Uh, like I said, I had them at eight, and Judkins is going to be tough. But I just don't know. You know, they lost Corral at quarterback. They'll they'll have a good quarterback. They've got Lane Kiffin. They'll have good play callers. But I think still, with the Mississippi schools, it just it's going to come down to depth. And I don't see them have enough depth. We got them at home this year. They're not going to have enough depth to stay with us in the in the second half. So I I had them at at eight, and you had them at seven. Uh, who you have at six? The Auburn Tigers. Auburn Tigers, wow. On the road, on the our road. six toughest game. And, and, by the way, I had Kentucky at seven. So, uh, that your seven was Ole Miss. I had Kentucky. Um, okay, at six, I have uh, Tennessee. Like I said last week or last podcast, not sold on them at all. I have them at, I've got them with a losing record in conference. So, um, so six, my six is Tennessee. Who's your five? LSU. Oh, man, that is my number one, Tom. I knew it would be. <laughs> you said we had a loss to them, but I told you last week that uh, I don't – I don't. I think they're highly overrated. I just – I don't see it. Uh, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost five games this year. Uh, man, I hope you're right. I really do because I do not want Brian Kelly to be – because let's be honest, Saban is not – spring chicken anymore he's not going to be here he's well over halfway he's well over three quarter quarters of the way through his bama career and we do not need chip kelly or brian kelly who's what probably 55 57 you know whatever 58 we don't need him to be the new guy to go play for in the sec west so i hope you're right on that i've, I've got him at one at five i have arkansas i i kj jefferson's back didn't know the running back Core was that good, but I just we always they're a tough game, and I I just don't like it. I hate to play Arkansas. Uh, I think well, do we have them at home this year? Let me check. Oh, uh, we right we do. We okay, do. Well, that that helps. So uh, at four, I have where is four here? Uh, I've got Auburn at four. I, I I never like playing them on the road. You know, I've got Bama with three losses, so I've got them as our toughest game outside of our three losses. And one reason is because when we go down there, uh, you know, it'll be their 12th game. They, whoever their starting quarterback is, whether it's Robbie Ashford or that Peyton Thorne, you know, it'll be – I figure it'll be Thorne. You know, it'll be his 12th game to start in the in conference in, – in a full slate of conference games. And he, he'll be ready. He'll be battle-tested. He'll be ready. So, uh, you know, it's just if we could go down there and get a one-point win, I'm happy. So, who you got it coming in at four? Okay, before I get to that, I want you to listen to these past five scores. 65-31, to 48-7, to 
and 49-26, all in our favor. That's how close those Arkansas games have been. Uh, number four. <laughs> <laughs> number four, I've got Tennessee. Um, I, you know, I, I'm with I'm with you there. You know, I've got LSU at five and Tennessee at four, and those are two of the teams that, that people are going, well, they got their number, blah, blah, blah. I, I expect both those teams to fall off. We're in agreement on Tennessee. We're not in agreement on LSU. But, I mean, you can be wrong sometimes. You can be. So you've got Kentucky in your top three. I do. Wow. I, I mean, I, where do we – I'm going to have to get on and see where we play them. Please tell me we play them on the road. We are on the road at Kentucky. Okay. And it is right game – Right after we play LSU. Right after LSU. Wow. Okay. So do, what, do you have them at three? I have them at three. You have them at three. I had them at seven. Uh, my three and two are interchangeable. I, I've got, I'm going to put Texas at three because we have them at home. Uh, you know, the, the positive is Texas at home. The negative is our starting quarterback will only be playing his second game of the year. And if I flip-flopped them and put A&M, our positive would be our quarterback is more seasoned when we face them because we faced them uh, the first weekend of October. So that would be game six. And but the negative would be we're on the road, so I'll, I'll stick with Texas at three. You've got Kentucky at three, so uh, your number two is Texas or A and M. One of the two. Who you got? Uh, same reasoning you give. Uh, uh, put Texas at two because they're at home, and A and M at one because they're on the road. Yeah, yeah. So that's you know we're giving a lot of respect to A and M who went five and seven last year, but it is just they're they're a dangerous team. They've got the talent. I don't even know who their quarterback's going to be. You know, last year they lost their quarterback early on and had to run with their uh, with their backup for uh, for the majority of the season, the rest of the season. So, I, I don't know. It, it, it does – it helps my feelings that you have LSU a lot lower than me, and we're both in agreement that the two Texas teams are going to be in the top three. I, I'm really intrigued by your Kentucky pick at three. I, I'm anxious to see if that holds true. Well, you know, I picked them last week as uh, as the dark horse number. Uh, I can't remember if I picked them second or third in the East, um, but but I, I they have they have a good squad coming back, and again they catch us at just the right time after LSU, and we go on the road. Um, so it's it it'll be interesting. We'll see. Yeah, you had Kentucky at two and USC at uh, at three, so yeah, Tennessee so. at four, so. So I, I stuck to my guns. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So uh, that's going to wrap us up for tonight for the most part. Uh, I do want to talk about Bama Rush. So Tori, my daughter, she's the AKO. And uh, she was last week, they were doing their prep week or whatever, their is work that, week. Hold on. Is that the same thing that Hughes' daughter's in? Hugh Freeze? Alpha Chi Omega? I don't know. Possibly. That. He posted a picture of Twitter with him and his daughter, and she was rushing over there doing something. And, and at, at at Auburn, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, at Auburn. Uh, well, I mean, I figured. <laughs> no, no, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know why that struck me funny, but yeah, no, she was at Auburn, and I just, I, I could, I. You said that the, all those letters run run together for me. You know, we were in I tap a keg, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I say it, the reason I mean I'm sure Auburn, but you know, 
Danny Ford, when we were in college, Danny Ford coached at Arkansas, and his daughter was in a sorority at Alabama. So it's not unheard of, right. but it kind of it kind of would be unheard of to be to cross you know state lines, Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. That's a little a little bit different than Arkansas, Alabama, or maybe you know Tennessee and and uh, Georgia Tech or something. But uh, anyway, so we went to Misty and I went to Wrigley Field, and. Um, back a couple of three weeks ago to see the Cubs play. We set Wrigley rooftops the first the first game. And I wore my AKO dad shirt. I mean, I, I'm just very proud of my both my daughters, and I'm just really happy that she is in the sorority and enjoying the sorority life because Lord knows she hates college, dude. She, she hates college, but she <laughs> loves the sorority. And uh, so I, I'm very proud that she's in it. She's happy. It makes her happy. She's enjoying this week. And um, so I got the AKO shirt on, and I'm walking up the stands on the on the top of the building, and uh, there's a dad and a and a mom there, and they're like, "Hey!" Uh, and all my shirt says AKO dad. It doesn't say University of Alabama or anything, and it's just on the front left pocket. And he said, "Where uh, AKO dad? Where does your daughter go to school?" And I'm like, "She goes to Alabama." He said, "Oh!" And both I'm like, "Oh, Bama Rush!" Like that is the thing, man. <laughs> I mean, it it is crazy. I don't know if you get on TikTok, but all these schools, it's so funny. Tennessee, like I'll be scrolling up. I'll, I'll search hashtag Bama Rush, and I'll just keep scrolling up. You know that gives you to get you to the next video, and it'll be like Tennessee or Arizona or Arizona State or Ole Miss. And I look at their hashtags, and they put Bama Rush because they know if they put Bama Rush, it's going to get seen. It's huh, <laughs> interesting. It I is. It's, yeah. I'll, next time I'll I'll send you one. I'll, I'll come up on a if. I think Tennessee's been on my feet a couple of times. Next Tennessee one or Ole Miss one I'll send to you because it's um, it's it's funny that they're like, you know what, screw it, we're putting Bama Rush because we want to get it, <laughs> want to get our name out there. But uh, lastly, um, rest in peace, Alex Collins. I guess you saw that. I did. That's unfortunate. Do you know why Bama fans are Alex Collins fans? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, wasn't. No, don't don't make don't make a fool out of me. What was that? Not the uh, was was he not part of the um, uh, that fourth down play? Yes, yes. Fourth and twenty five or twenty five. Let's let's rewind to two thousand sixteen. I guess. Gosh, the years run together. They do run together, but I remember I was at the Legacy for whatever reason on the Strip in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I think we had a game that day, and I was just in there watching the other (laughs) games before the stadium, and and I saw that game in there on their big screen. It was crazy. I am going to. Okay, this is – okay, so it wouldn't have been 2016. It was – it might have been 2015, I bet, because – and I'm going to make you feel like a fool here. Yeah, I would say we had a game that night, Tom – we played LSU that night, and that's when we held Leonard Fournette to no yards. Nice. And nice. Uh, but but Hunter Henry catches the fourth down pass, gets maybe what eight yards, and heaves it backwards. Ole Miss almost clears the bench, and then they realize that somebody picked it up. It was Alex Collins. He runs for the first down. Arkansas beats uh, Ole Miss in overtime, thus sending us to Atlanta and, and keeping our title hopes alive. So that was that was huge. Yeah. But uh, I think it's a motorcycle accident. I didn't really see, but then I saw one thing late today that said motorcycle accident. Man, I, I hate that. Um, anytime a life is cut short, it's, just, it's a sad situation. My player that you've seen falls. That said, Tom, uh, hey, good to, good to be 
Welcome back. Podcast, I think we'll hit, for our listeners, I think we'll hit our, uh, we'll be weekly now for the most part. There's something crazy happening. And, uh, always, you got to hate Auburn, you got to hate Thurman, and hate Auburn. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Take it easy, guys. Have you seen Junior's grades? <laughs>